Alright, welcome to another episode of Closing Staff Podcast. This is your host, Trade Hold. I'm here with uh, Distro as usual. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's Distro. You know, your, your daily Distro. You don't know yeah. if it's going to be a box full of good games or it's going to be a box full of t-shirts and socks, you know? Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, so This time, we don't have Cash Wrap again. He's still under the weather. Um, and, you know, we're trying to be safe about it. So he decided not to come through with us. But we do have a special guest. We're going to call him Funkoland. Hey. <laughs> Just to make sure, you know, not to be confused with Funko Pop. Yeah, so hey, we Funko had to... Pops. <laughs> All right. I say he dropped that bomb right before we started. Yeah, uh, Funko Pops are trash. <laughs> fight me. Yeah, right? Fight me. <laughs> I have a few. I have a few, but uh, I don't. I don't really don't. Put away the Yamcha. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't go out of my way to collect them. Like, we know a few people who collect them that are just right now, especially during this time. They they're trying to unload them. You know <laughs> exactly. Oh, man, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think people are starting to realize a lot of what they have right now is just a, a little overwhelming. Uh, <laughs> like I said, my personal hell is to be trapped with a bunch of them. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's like I had that moment where I realized, oh, this needs to stop before it gets out of hand. Oh <laughs> yeah. Know, yeah. I think I have maybe something like seven or eight Funko Pops. And yeah. All oh, mine are just of characters I actually like. Like I don't go for a whole Dragon Ball collection. I have make, Gohan. And... Make make me feel weird now. It's like, guess how many I have. Like, you probably don't have as it's much not, as It's not a crazy it. amount, it's, it's, but it's a modest amount. Are you in double digits? Did I, I'm in double digits That's for too sure. Many. Yes. Too yeah, many. Right, yeah. Uh, I'm like, I'm like I'm you're probably not as bad sure. as Field Destroyer right now. So, so guess. Uh, how many do you think I may have? Um, 68. Um, you're close. You're close. You're close. Really? Yeah. Oh, so okay. 69. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, right. <laughs> 75? Yeah. No. Is it? Uh, 100? 90? 90. No, you're so... Okay, 80. I have eight, about 84. 85. Just tell us the number. Yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah. You're getting colder. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. You're, you're still not as bad but as I'm saying that's, that's not nearly as bad as, let's say, people that I know where it gets into like. Feel the, destroyed. Yeah, right? Feel, yeah. You yeah. know, I've, I her, cannot her husband, confirm her, uh, her collection, but yeah, I, I've, her I've seen how bad it can get. So. Yeah. But, but that being said, no. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we just get back on topic. Um, so we ha- we have our special guest, Funko Land. We call him that because he actually started from Funko Land that's before right. GameStop. Uh, acquired them so uh well i mean i don't know did you ever shop at funko land yeah of course yeah. that was that was my shop back in the day you know that's where i used to get like i think way back i think it was like n64 back when they still had some n64 stuff oh, yeah. my sega dreamcast my sega dreamcast games stuff like that when those first came out and then i forget when funko land really stopped because i used to go to the one that was uh right down the like the place where we used to live it was like right down the way <clears throat> um it was a uh, like your local game store almost yeah. that you had funko land i think eb games too was still around at that time yeah so KB store. I just KB. I'm just trying to think like when did uh when did Funkoland really when go away you know like it around was, what gen it was a uh, it was like, around 2001 so it would have been around six, six generation of console gaming yeah because it kind of came out of nowhere where I'm just like what happened to Funkoland like yeah. it's gone you know yeah yeah that that the whole Funkoland uh, transitioning to GameStop.com and it was GameStop.com yes. back in the day the physical locations were during the dot com boom of '99 mm-hmm. um, the transition came in that um, Electron- Electronics Boutique was to purchase Funkoland, uh, merge Babbage's and Software Etc. into one company, thus creating GameStop.com. And this went on for about about a year or two until they finally eventually dropped the .com because enough people told me like, it's stupid to have a physical location called .com. It actually said on the store. It GameStop. literally said on the store. Nice. Yes, and I, it's actually I, I, uh, Arizona. Yeah, yeah, we had a trip in Arizona. And, and uh, uh, they actually said... On one of the storefronts. Yeah. Oh, and GameStop I flipped out. Now. I flipped out because I've been saying the story, the story for years that uh, the physical locations were called .com, 
and uh, when I seen one, I was like, there, you see it? You see, I'm not crazy. Yeah, it was literally crazy. called GameStop.com. So somebody at that Phoenix location didn't get the memo. They're supposed to pull down the .com part. <laughs> they didn't have a marketing team Obviously, at that point been, that was yeah. good enough for it. I was going to say, it's been several years since then. It's been almost a, you know two decades. Yeah. So I think at that point, they probably just did not. Like, yeah. Someone had to have checked up on him, like, you gotta take that down. We should, yeah, we should do a variant like closingstaff.com. Just, just you know, yeah, it's gonna be the chase. <laughs> chase. <laughs> okay. Um. Well, so I'll, I'll tell you something that's kind of weird about me when it comes to Funko Land. I've been in a Funko Land maybe once or twice. Mm-hmm. Really? I, yeah, because at that time, um, we were poor, and mm-hmm. I so I didn't really go to too many like shopping trips of buying video games. In fact, the only game. I got the, my very first game I got as a gift was Corona Trigger from my oldest sister. Did you say I, Corona Trigger? Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're telling us that you're the reason for I all heard this. That. <laughs> Corona <laughs> Trigger. No, 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 no. Squaresoft is the reason for all. This. What are you talking about? I didn't name it. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> but yeah, that, I I feel like. I felt like that was a setup. Like that was yeah, right. like we didn't even talk about that. You were yeah. pretty quick on that. Yeah. Um, well, that's what I do. <laughs> that's why he's here. <laughs> but yeah, I know. So I've only been in a uh, one like once or twice, and so uh, Chrono Trigger was the first game I got uh, as a gift, and we didn't even own a Super Nintendo. My brother had borrowed it, so oh, wow. I asked for it because I had played it from a friend's house. Um, that one in Secret of Mana. Um, during elementary school and I just love Chrono Trigger so much I'm like I want a copy of this game even if mm-hmm. I don't own a Super Nintendo but anyways um, well how was it how did you go about like were you shopping at Funko Land fairly often before you got a job there or? so my my love of video games goes all the way back until I was probably about oh geez maybe like four or five years old uh, that would have been like 1984 85 so uh this is the atari yeah yeah it's 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 quite a ways back um my older sister came home from the flea market and as a young child i had no idea what exactly a flea market was it sounds you know exactly like it's like is it a market with fleas like i don't understand like and i didn't know what it was for the longest time and then people would say swap meat i was like people go there and swap meat see growing up there for me it was like bulga (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. Um, So she comes home one day and she has this big brown paper bag just full of stuff. And um, I ask her, I says, what what is that? And she she says, oh, this is uh, an Atari. What's an Atari? She's like, it's a video game. Natural next question is, what's a video game? (laughs) She's like, you know what? And she just hooked it up. And that was it. I started playing video games, and I had been stuck ever since. Now, I didn't get a Nintendo till much, much later in my life. Uh, I want to say it was around about 89, 90. And the original NES came out in 1985. Um, so I was all about video games at a young age. And I used to read uh, GamePro Magazine, um, you know, Computer Gaming Monthly, Nintendo Power, you name it. Mm-hmm. Back then there would be ads for video game companies in the magazines. And uh, I would just thumb through them and like, oh, look at this. This one's cool. They had uh, things like Game Dude. And uh, then that's when I came across an ad for Funkoland. And I used to actually order, mail order games. That's what that's how it was done, kids, back in the day. You actually had to mail order games. You had to call somebody, get them on the line, 
tell them what you want to have, what you wanted to purchase, and if they had it in stock, you got to go get your parents' permission, get them on the line, do the whole credit card by phone uh-huh. type order, uh, even a check. Sometimes my mom would mail out checks. Uh, again. <laughs> this, this was, was this back, was back during like the infomercial. This stuff. this this infomercial. Yeah, yeah this that. is this is like early early <laughs> late eighties early nineties. Although I, I didn't know you had to do that for games. Either. Yeah, I want to say I started ordering from Funkoland back in like nineteen eighty nine nineteen ninety. It was probably around ninety. I think I was, 10, I was yeah about ten or eleven years old. I was ordering. I used to order everything from Funkoland. And it was so cool because it would get to you in about a week and you get this box, open up just tons of great games, little papers in there. The uh, the first issue of Game Informer I had, which was a, a little, I think it was like four to six pages, looked like a little newspaper with Sonic the Hedgehog on it. Nice. Which was pretty cool. Um, so that's how far back, like, me going to Funkoland started. The first time I ever seen a physical location was around, I want to say about 95 and it was in my hometown, and uh, it was near um, a shopping mall, just as they are now, just with the game stops. It just you can go to a few places you find Funko mm-hmm. in, and it was really cool. So, um, yeah, that that was that's how far back it goes, like nineteen ninety. Did you tell him be like, I need to work here, like I, <laughs> you know, I the, live <laughs> Funko Land. So the funny the funny <laughs> thing is, the, the very first time I actually shopped at a physical store location, um, it was for my little brother. Um, and he, uh, it was his birthday, if I recall correctly, mm-hmm. it was his birthday and he wanted a game and of course you're a kid like, can we go in the store? Can we go in the store? And you had to convince your parents. My mom took us into Funkoland and the person working at the counter was somebody I actually used to go to school with, but was years younger than me. Oh, nice. Didn't really ever talk with him, but I recognized the face and, uh, it was this nice little store and I remember we bought some Game Boy games and I just thought that was the coolest. And, you know, I'm still a few years away from working myself, and I'm like, you know what, I do want to work there at some point in time. And uh, really didn't think any much more about it, you know, until years later. Yeah, I think that's how it goes usually. You walk in there, and you see someone that you know, or yeah. you're familiar with somebody, yeah. and you realize, you like, hey, up. the energy's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you get the hookup, and yeah. you're just like, I can see myself here for a minute. Yeah. Next thing you know, the application's in, you're getting interviewed, and you're like, is this <laughs> happening? So yeah, even 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 as a, even as a young kid, I always had a predilection for uh, selling. That was always a part of what I did as growing up. I mean, uh, I used to sell. I see. Let me see how far back this goes. I think it was about third, no fourth, no third grade. It was third grade. Uh, our teacher used to have a class wide. Um, like, I don't know what you call it. It was like a swap meet type thing where we all brought toys or things we didn't use at home anymore. And we would sell it and we'd literally bring money to class. And I actually made money. I think that was like, like, I was literally, okay, if you've ever seen the cartoon Recess, I was Hustler Kid. Oh, yeah. I was literally Hustler Kid. And I always just enjoyed just. I always I always enjoyed selling stuff and and dealing with people and seeing people happy uh, by providing the things that they wanted, and uh, I remember <laughs> this is so funny. I remember uh, in class uh, one of my friends was selling uh, cigarettes that were made out of gum. Oh yeah, yeah. Those, yeah. yeah, yeah but he yeah. would make them. He would make them, and he was actually selling. Them. I think he's, he's all rolling cigarettes. He literally rolling <laughs> cigarettes out of gum, <laughs> and you you could do this. I mean, but then again, they had Big League Chew, and they still have that nowadays. But it's essentially chaw, you know, like yeah. you can. Yeah. But it's just the way it was. It was the 1980s, so it was totally acceptable. I remember bringing some toys, some GI Joes, He Man's, Transformers, whatever I had. 
um, and selling them there and just getting really hooked on selling stuff. And then as it carried on uh, throughout the years, I, uh, I eventually got myself a little fanny pack, and that's when they were kind of cool to wear back then. <laughs> not not lame like nowadays. Sorry to all the people out there who actually still wear fanny packs, but that's lame. <laughs> we just yeah. lost them. They just, they just took it off. The whole, the whole, off the podcast. The whole two <laughs> listeners just, just walked away. <laughs> so, so I used to actually sell um, baseball cards, football cards. Uh, at one point, I sold marbles. Uh, I sold uh, candy. I used to uh, prepack like gummy bears, gummy worms, uh, whatever I can get my M and M's in little bags. I'd sell them for like fifty cents, and uh, I eventually upgraded to comic books, doing Marvel cards like Fleer and Flare Ultras. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to sell Jacks. Like anytime I would go to like the pharmacy, I pick up an abundance of stuff because I was literally a little kid making money. I was always hustling. Mm-hmm. I would mow lawns. Um, I used to do a lot of side work. I learned how to shampoo carpets with a, we had a carpet shampooer, and I would do stuff for the neighbors. And I was just always stacking money as a little kid, you know. So that's that's kind of you know, lo and behold, why I ended up in life where I'm at now, running my own store. And then it just kind of <laughs> coincided one in one with your other passion, where it's like now I have video games. And now it's have video games. And it's like, and you're still doing like you said, what you enjoy doing is satisfying people's you know urge to game. Yeah, and you I know, love talking about giving, games. Yeah, yeah, giving them something that where they're like, oh shit, like yes, exactly. Like, I just I just finally found the game yes. I've been looking for. You know exactly. And sometimes yeah. people don't realize there's certain games out there that uh, they may not know about. I mean, as a kid, Nintendo had what 700 some odd games, and the only way you knew about games was through trading uh, and letting people borrow mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, or like yeah, yeah. going to your neighbor's house and yeah. just being like, oh, where'd you, you get that? Where'd you get that? What's <laughs> yeah. that about? And yeah. then you would have to play yeah. it, you know. And and unless you're like reading a video game magazine, or, yeah, magazine, there was no internet. Yeah. No, I mean, technically, yes, there was internet, but it was not the internet that you're thinking of today. Yeah. It wasn't easily accessible. Yep. Uh, people you're not had going computers. To IGN real quick and be yeah, like, there was none of that stuff. There was no pictures. Everything was, you know, what is it? MS DOS. Yeah. So it was really, really uh, archaic. And here's, here's, a, here's another crazy thing about it. Um, people that look through walkthroughs right now, you, there used to be a number you call to ask about like tips. No, yeah. say that, or even like in sometimes like in certain magazines, you know, yeah. like you would have like a section where it's just like, "Hey, pro tip on how to get past this area." Or, like, did you know that if you go here, you'll find this item yeah. or you'll do this? but even then, that? that was, like, what, after, um, I would say, like, what, mid-90s or, like, early 90s? I'd say probably, like, like, early 90s, mid-90s. Early 90s, you know? 90s yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was sure. early 90s, but before that, Before that, it was call. even harder, yeah. yeah. You'd yeah. actually probably have to call somebody, yeah. But, I mean, if you if you want to go far back to, like, the roots of it, uh, internet and all that stuff, video games started in California. Uh-huh. And uh, it was actually through the colleges, I believe, through Stanford University, that uh, one of the first like online internet computers doing gaming was between colleges, uh-huh. and they would uh, play games and basically communicate, you know, via keyboard typing stuff in and getting help that way and communicating, playing games in these big. You know, billions and billions of dollars yeah, <laughs> worth of one equipment. of the first forums. You know, yeah, like, exactly. Like, it was a bunch of nerds at like Caltech, just like you know, hey, let's play Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> online, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, that's that's how far back it original goes. land party. Yeah, the original yeah, right. land party. Yeah, you would have to call people up. Hey, man, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna play. You want to jump online and, and play some games? And that's how it was done. You know, yeah, people, algorithms for rolling dice for that too. Didn't yeah, they? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's people, like a whole different era. People yeah. used to play chess back yeah. in the day over the telephone or through uh through a the mail. It's like, oh, I move here, here, and here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> We're playing via Morse code. You know, yeah. take it even yeah. further back. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I know that they uh, have international like chess matches that mm-hmm. they would yeah. do by mail too. Yeah. yeah, that was crazy. It's a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is definitely. <laughs> you imagine yeah. now trying to quickly play through a game and just. Rem- 
back in the old days where it's like you can take months to finish a shit well, game. Like now, like you're seeing, like I forget what game I was playing beforehand. I think it was Call of Duty now, mm-hmm. like the latest one where they had that mode where it's now it's like fifty versus fifty, or even playing like a battlefield, and you're just like, oh shit, 64. like you're just. Yeah, you're just sitting here, yeah, 64v64, it's like, on on just by sitting down and being able to play, like, back in the day, you couldn't do any of that without having to, exactly like I said, know somebody, being able to network with somebody, having to call them up and being like, hey, you getting on right now? Yep. As opposed to me just sitting down and being like, nope, we have like a full freaking server just full of people that are ready to go at any point. It's a trip. <laughs> yeah, LAN parties are definitely something that uh, you don't see much of anymore, and actually, considering the current situation that a lot of us are, are dealing with right now, a LAN party would actually be kind of cool. Uh, I guess depending if you got enough people and enough setups mm-hmm. to pull it off. Yes. You, um, you can because even even with the the whole social distance thing, you can set up a you know a PC six feet six feet away. People, yeah? Have you seen that meme of the 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 kid that's duct taped to the ceiling? No. And he's playing. Uh, he's playing. I think they're playing WoW or something. Like when WoW was like in its early stages. There's like a million. It's like memes it's like a now. giant like uh, land party. Uh-huh. But there's just this one kid that's duct taped to the ceiling. And he's playing. <laughs> Like on this, because there's like they're running out of space. Yeah, it's it's hilarious. <laughs> I've actually never got into World of Warcraft. Me neither. Uh, I never got into EverQuest. So EverQuest mm-hmm. was a thing back in like yeah, 99 EverQuest or 2000. Did you did you get into like any other of the Blizzard games like StarCraft no, or any of that I stuff? Didn't. I didn't get into anything PC related uh, at all. So, so you're mainly uh, the, a console guy. I was console, and uh, so when I actually got a PC was shortly after I started working at Uncle Land. I uh, started getting some paychecks in and uh, got a car. And then I bought a PC. The thing is, I knew nothing about PCs. I just mm-hmm. heard PCs are the best way to game. So me, being young and naive and not knowing better, decided to walk into my local Circuit City. I don't know how many people actually out there still remember Circuit <laughs> yeah, City, right, yeah. but Circuit City is what we had before Best Buy. Yeah, Circuit City was the jam for a minute. Yeah, yeah. it was. It was cool. Was I used to find some yeah. of the best deals later in life. Like you get really good deals at Circuit City. Yeah, I bought some That's the truth. Yeah. But, uh, I used to buy CDRs from Circuit City. Yeah. Well, I bought a compact Presario from Circuit City, and that was that was the worst thing apparently to game on. And I found this out many years later. And I think I I think oh geez, what did that computer cost me? It put me in so much debt too. I want to say I spent like forty four hundred dollars. That sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. For a computer that literally couldn't be upgraded or do crap. And uh, the first game I ever got came with it was Moto Racer, which was actually, I enjoyed that quite a bit. And then uh, I had Rainbow Six. Oh, and was it like the original Rainbow Six? The original. The original first, had, oh, dude. Like, the I'd first I'd Rainbow just, Six. I told Tradehold about that game. That's probably one of the few games that I played on PC myself, too. But that yes. game is tight. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, you probably had some uh, some understanding of, uh, of the way the games play. I didn't. So me going in from consoles... You know, throughout my entire life, to PC was such a uh, such a drastic transition for me, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember playing it and just not understanding. I wasn't grasping. It took it. me like like a good three or four days. I was just sitting there and just not knowing how to do anything. Before. Yeah, it, like, it took me. Oh, this it, is how you get people to move. Yeah, it took me. <laughs> yeah. It took me about probably about maybe twenty minutes till I got frustrated and quit and just never played it again. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Almost so, sounds like uh, my my. Uh, my my own experience with the uh, what's it called Age of Empire. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's what we had on our first PC, and our PC I think was five grand, and it was like five hundred megabytes. Yeah, like, I actually went yeah. back several years later. Like I I want to say this might be have been actually somewhere around two thousand five to look for our old PC because we actually still had it in, in storage, mm-hmm. and like pulled it out to see how much space was in it. 500 megabytes. And I was just like, damn. <laughs> that is literally nothing. Like, I think that game for me was Thief. The first Thief on PC mm-hmm. was one of those games where I was just like, played for I think 20, 30 minutes and I just was just like, F this. 
Also, you, you know what? I'll, I'll say I did learn how to play Age of Empire. One game mm-hmm. I gave up on that I tried for hours, Prince of Persia, because I didn't know where to go. <laughs> I had no clue where to go, and I was just like, all right, I'm done. Like, yeah. I can't. <laughs> Honestly, I think the first time I ever dealt with any kind of PC gaming was back when I was in uh, grade school, and that would have been with... Uh, Wait, Raider- the Oregon Trail? Oh, no, 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 no. Even pre-Oregon Trail. Oregon Trail is what you got when I got to middle school. Grade school, we had Reader Rabbit. <laughs> and Reader Rabbit was fun. <laughs> I, was say, I played Oregon Trail when I was in uh, elementary school, and that was in school. Like, they actually yeah. had PC set up. So. No, I was in seventh grade when I first time so, played. But that uh, makes Oregon sense. Trail. We got down the on the age Oregon difference. Trail, yeah. yeah, the age difference, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, Reader Rabbit was something I used to have a lot of fun with. Uh, one of my good friends uh, growing up, he had a, he was one of the few people I knew actually had a computer at home. And uh, so we would play. I didn't know what to do. I just watched. And I would just uh, do the Reader Rabbit, and it was basically Mad Libs. And so these funny stories. And when you're a kid, you do everything dumb. You put in like, you know, oh, so and so went here, and he found a blank, and then we'd write butt, <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then like, and then this happened, and we would just write turd, and then the, then after it's all said and done, you would print out your story. And he had one of those dot matrix printers, so it'd take like forever to print a story out, and we would just crack up laughing with all the butt and poop jokes that would come out from writing a story when you're 10 years old yeah, i mean it's too yeah. expensive but those those are yeah those are good times those are good times we spent a lot of time in the computer playing reader rabbit but yeah reader rabbit is what i started with on on pc so there you go that's og right there <laughs> I, I started with the, this game quote-unquote game which was uh this was like kindergarten if i remember right and i do not know the name of this game i can't find it. i tried to look for it like only months ago and all i remember is it's a it's basically a spelling game and it had like a rainbow and you were trying to like find out the word and type in the word and every time you get it right you get closer to the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Did you ever get the gold? Yeah, several times. I'm actually oh, okay. really good at spelling. <laughs> really, really good at spelling, even as a kid, but I can't for the life of me remember the name of that game. I, I honestly I honestly wouldn't doubt if it wasn't part of the Reader Rabbit series. He was he was Little he did was, you know that rabbit was That there. rabbit was yeah. everywhere. I mean, he I had a ton of games. Rabbit. I he, remember, yeah, but I didn't yeah. 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 You might be right though. That that's something interesting you should look into. Follow yeah. up on that, see if you actually can find it. It might be part of the Reader Rabbit. So am I, are we starting games. to finally crack into like your uh, the origins of uh, Trade Holds gaming, this Reader Rabbit? <laughs> you know, and there and there from there no, he progressed no. to uh I, I would say I would say the the first video game, like console game I played was um what was it, the the Avengers with Hawkeye? I think that was what is, what was it called, the Avengers? On are you talking about Nintendo? On, uh, Nintendo, yeah. Oh yeah, it was the Avengers. Yeah, the Avengers just with the, Hawkeye. Just yeah. the Avengers. I remember you said I was yeah. playing with it. No, no, it was with Hawkeye. I think I specifically remember that in the title. And because mm-hmm. you can play because uh, originally I think an arcade you would play as Captain America. But the Nintendo version, you can play as Hawkeye, too. And it plays, obviously, quite differently. But I remember I was playing as Hawkeye. Well, the arcade version uh, was put out by Konami in the early 90s. And it was a four-player arcade side-scroll beat-em-up. You could play Captain America, mm-hmm. Hawkeye, uh, Iron Man, and Vision. They were in that. Okay. I had the adventures on NES. I can't remember about the subtext saying if it had Hawkeye or not. But Hawkeye was a playable character in that game. Um, okay. Very difficult game too. I remember that. A lot of those, yeah. you know, all those games were very difficult. Yeah, most NES they're, they're games. They're very, uh, um, they were uh, relentless. You know, like or, they were. Is if you died, you died. You, you know? died, you died. Yeah. There was no <laughs> yeah. checkpoints. There was there no. Was, yeah. There was. It was start over from the beginning. It was either. It, what, what the kids say, get good. <laughs> yeah, you literally got good, or was going back to Blockbuster unfinished, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But 
But uh, anyways, we gotta go back on topic. Uh, but um, so when you started working at Funko Land, how would you say was the vi- environment? So what you expected, or was so it quite different? I I started at Funko Land back in 1997, mm-hmm. so I was 17. Ah, you're a Final Fantasy seven. Yeah, I was. Yeah, it was, it was 1997 when I started there. Um, the environment was way different. Funko Land was based more on customer experience than it was on what it is now. Uh, the transition. The transition back then um, was such a stark contrast. It's honestly why I left. But the difference in was is that we actually had uh, playstations, not like playing stations, but like test stations where you yeah. can try games. Basically, the whole premise of Funkland was try before you buy. Mm-hmm. They wanted to make sure that you got a game that you liked and that you went home with. Now, it was because of the policy of GameStop, or sorry, not GameStop, uh, Funkoland back then was there was no returns allowed unless it was defective. If you didn't like a game and you bought it and you went home with it, you can't exchange it. Now, it's different now because GameStop actually has, or if you don't like something with seven days, if it's pre-owned, you can bring it back, which is super cool. But back then, you literally had to try before you buy. Mm-hmm. And it could be a little bit hectic when you got a line of customers and they're like, oh, have you played this? Have you played that? And they'll have a lot of questions. And you're like, well, you can try before you buy. But it's not necessarily easy to execute, you know, when you got a bunch of people waiting, especially during the holidays. It was just nutty. And so me, as a, I started, like I said, I started in 97. By the time I hit 99, I was the manager. The thing about uh, Funkoland GameStop is that you accelerate very fast up the ladder if you're competent, but the glass ceiling is very low. Mm-hmm. You get very far very quick, and then you realize you're not going to go any further. You've reached yeah, the top. We've, we've talked about this. Like it's very it breaks around once you realize you're on this plateau. That's just that's it. It's just that's it. Yeah, that's you know? it. You're not going any further. And I know people who've worked there ten plus years, mm-hmm. and I was at one point being groomed to become a district uh, lead. And this was back in 2001, and I realized just how unhappy I was at that point in time because by this by this point 2001 they had fully transitioned to GameStop. Um, the um, here's here's something interesting. The last copy on the wall, the display copy, mm-hmm. um, we were actually allowed to give a discount on uh, GameStop early on. It's like no last copy sells for the same price. Uh, we would either re shrink them if they asked us to, but a lot of times I would just give everybody 10, 15 percent off, and mm-hmm. they were fine with that. And people were like, oh yeah, that's cool. At least I'm getting a discount, you know, for it because it's used on display. It's not technically played, but it has been opened. Mm-hmm. And I've never that was, with, yeah, yeah, that was a yeah. lot of people's argument. Yeah, it was a lot of people's argument, and I get where the argument comes from because as a consumer, if I were to return an open item, it says, oh, I haven't played it. I can't return that open item. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's literally it's reverse logic. It's yeah. like, well, wait a minute, you can do that, but I can't. Well, technically, they can't. It's their store, you know, they can write whatever policy they want. And that's them. But uh, I can tell you that working at Funkland was a much much different vibe. We had regulars uh, that would come in, hang out. Uh, sometimes every store has one or two people who hang out all the time. It's um, we we. <laughs> I don't want to say his name, but we had one guy that always hung out right, every day. Yeah, we, <laughs> we had one guy to hang out all the time, and he was super cool. He was a young kid, and he would help us. He'd help you know organize displays. Uh, even at night, we helped wipe down counters, vacuum stuff like that. Oh, and damn child labor. Yeah, literally, <laughs> literally, we had that going on back then, and um, it was just such a it was such a, a more relaxing vibe. I was there for the launch of the Game Boy Advance. I was there for the launch of Pokemon Red and Blue. I was there for the launch of Pokemon oh, nice. Yellow. I was there for the launch of Grand Theft Auto 3. I was there for the launch of the PS2, the Dreamcast. Oh, man, I was through there through all the pivotal Xbox, GameCube. I was there through every single launch. I was managing the place by then. So I got to see 
you know, the demand it put up. Uh, I, I think one of the craziest launches we had was the PlayStation 2 launch. And this is prior to me leaving. This is 01. Um, yeah, cause I remember when the PS2 came out. Like, that oh, was huge, it man. was <laughs> nuts. It was absolutely nuts. I think the MSRP on the thing back then was two ninety nine, yeah, but they would force you to buy a game with it. It came with, or wasn't there some bundles where you can get it with like Gran Turismo 3 or like, what were the games? Oh, no, Gran Turismo 3. No, was that was, was, was one? No, no, Gran Turismo 3 was PlayStation 2. Oh, yeah, you couldn't right. get it. Like, no, you couldn't get, get it. It wasn't yeah. there. No, you had a few choices. You had uh, Dead or Alive Hardcore, if you could find it. That was, was part mm-hmm. two. Uh, Kessen. Kessen was one okay. that actually showed the power of the PS2. Um, Fantavision, if you guys ever wonder why there's so many copies of Fantavision out in the market, it's because of Circuit City. Okay. <laughs> Circuit City would force you to buy Fantavision with your PS2, and everybody hated that stupid game. <laughs> it would immediately trade it in the Funko Land. Nice. <laughs> uh, I can't remember all the other titles that were out there, but there was, I want to say there's like maybe six to nine titles um, released at the PlayStation 2 launch. I was there... Um, I want to say about 5 o'clock that morning. Mm-hmm. And we were going to open up early, I believe 8 a.m. And the line when I got to work, I mean, I'm, I'm pulling in at, you know, 4.30. Uh, and I'm seeing this line's already started. People are camping out. It was nuts. The news mm-hmm. was talking about it. The night before, Target was packed. Uh, Best Buy was packed. Everybody been camping out for days for the launch of the PS2. Uh, back then, I don't really recall if you could pre-order systems, but I would assume you could. But it was a much different thing. Like you had, to, I believe, put down a fifty to seventy-five dollar deposit, yeah, and then people were just fighting over them. And uh, again, you gotta you gotta bear in mind the time frame. There is no easy access to Amazon. There's yeah. eBay mm-hmm. exists, but it's in its infancy. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it's, it's not deve- it's not yeah. developed to what it is today. So if you wanted something and you weren't there to get it. You, you didn't, out. You it was, didn't get it. It was a free for all. Right? It was a free for all, and this is where the whole midnight launch type stuff started. When it became a thing, it became kind of a, a rite of passage as a gamer to camp out, to hang out, to talk with other gamers, to huddle together because we're all going to get this yeah, great it's a good item. Feeling too. It's Once a great feeling. You see someone come up and they're trying to cut or something. Everyone's just like, no, oh, no, 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 back in yeah, line. Like but then you get to share stories, just as we are right now, yeah. about yeah. you know what what we enjoy as gamers. And uh, that morning, I remember once 8 o'clock hit, the rush comes in, and I had a whole pyramid of PS2s behind the counter, and we're just boom, 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 we're selling, we're selling controllers, we're selling memory. People didn't realize back then you needed a memory card. Yeah. Yep. Memory cards were kind of a... megabyte, you know? Yeah. It it was like, oh, no, no, I'll just play the game. Like, you can't save on a disc. You know, because uh, some people who had just transitioned from the Dreamcast, mm-hmm. they didn't quite realize, like, oh, I can't use my PlayStation 1 <laughs> memory card. I ever have a memory card. No, 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 it don't work. And so we would have people calling. The phone was ringing off the hook. Do you have PS2s? Cool. Can you hold one? No, we cannot hold one. And I remember one guy came in and he had bought three of them. And I watched him walk out the door and he says, right now, PS2, anybody want this thousand bucks cash? And he sold both of them, both of them within moments, thousand bucks each. I was like, good God, the demand for gaming is nuts. Well, it's especially like, cause the PS1, when it first came out, like it was always the, the Dreamcast came out, the PS1 came out and like PS1, which obviously just took over. Well, like, people, you know, well like, actually, actually, yeah, just, you have the little bit reversed. Yeah, the sorry, Dreamcast yeah, came. The Dreamcast came out in '99. The yeah. PlayStation One came out in 1995. Yeah. So sick. gaming wasn't widely accepted at this point in time. Like mm-hmm. it was a business. It was profitable, but it wasn't mainstream. Yeah. yeah of course. And people always thought gaming was kind of this, like low tier form of entertainment. Yeah. Like the upper stuff is movies, and music, 
gaming is like at the way, way, way bottom. That's but gamers, gamers always knew. Yeah. We always knew yeah. that um, what we did had a lot of value. And then eventually, as, as now we are in 2020, people mm-hmm. treat gaming so different. It's mainstream. Yeah. Yeah, it's right? weird if you don't have a gaming console or a PC or don't have some kind of knowledge. You know, you can get spotted if you're a fake gamer. If mm-hmm. your answer is like, what's your favorite game? And like, you know, oh, it's a... Uh, Candy Crush. Candy Crush. <laughs> Candy Crush. <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a thing. It's like, okay, you're not a real... That's, that's a whole different... That's a different topic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, 2001, when that, that PlayStation 2 launched... Um, it was the, vibe, the turning of the tide. It know? was. But the vibe was great. And we're about to see this huge console war take off um, between them and Microsoft, the Xbox. Yeah. Xbox was something new. It was almost like the second coming of Sega uh, because the Dreamcast was so short-lived. And it sucks, too, because people... Saying, it, was like, it was very, very, very short-lived. Yeah. People loved the Dreamcast. Yes, Dreamcast was awesome. And as somebody who deals in retro gaming now... The Dreamcast has come full circle. It's back at its peak. Yeah, it was like, especially me, like when I basically became a store manager too, as well through GameStop. That was my main thing. Was I was still looking for like, how can I get access to some Dreamcast games? Oh yeah, and like those, some of those games were like some of the hardest ones to come through. They in, were, like, mm-hmm. they with were. Good we would, condition or anything. We like, would yeah. get when we get brand new stuff. It would just be so little coming in. I remember when Fatal Fury: Mark of the Wolves came into the store oh, nice. along with Last Blade <laughs> Two. Yeah. They launched their price on them was nineteen ninety nine. They were twenty. They were oh, considered. Man. They were considered uh, affordable gaming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of titles now that go for hundreds uh, on the PlayStation One. Uh, H Tech was one putting them out. They were ten dollar titles for PS One mm-hmm. because every time you had a generation of game, a new game system come out, uh, at least Funkolin was very much on top of this. They would bring in a whole plethora of games that people could afford to retroactively purchase old systems. And every generation, even as GameStop does now, they flush out. The last, the late, the last generation in the store. So right now, GameStop carries um, what is it, uh, seventh uh, and eighth generation of gaming, mm-hmm. and eventually they're going to phase out that seventh gen as the next gen comes in later this year. They are saying that the PS3 they are removing the uh, PS3. Yes, no, PS3. They're removing the messages feature in June. Yes, so really? you're no gonna no longer gonna be able to send messages on the PS3. Yeah, oh, so all all this stuff is gonna get clearance out just as it, as it always has. And I watched it happen with Dreamcast. I watched it happen uh, with uh, PlayStation One. I watched Super Nintendo. 64, NES, Sega Genesis, Saturn. Yeah, just get phased out. Phased you out. Know, yeah. Completely phased Sucks out. Sucks with the Saturn. Well, <laughs> how, you know what? Um, was was Funkland, Funkland was still in operation during the Saturn release. Yes, it was. So I'm actually curious. Uh, how did Funkoland deal with Saturn? Because there were some places <laughs> that didn't even accept most places. To sell most places. Yeah, most most places did not. Now, I actually have a little bit of an interesting story in this one. Um, I remember. I couldn't tell you what day or what time of the year it was, but I just remember working the floor um, and a customer came in and it was a woman and a man and they were somewhat in a desperate financial situation. And where I worked at, it's not like the <laughs> the best and the brightest that uh, typically come to you. you got to worry if you're being taken or hustled because that's just the nature of where right. I grew up. And so when they came in, they're like, we have a whole bunch of video games. Our store closed down. We had a rental store, and we need to sell these because we're moving, and we don't have any money for gas and food and stuff like that. Do uh, you guys pay cash for these? And I was like, what do you have? He says, well, we have a whole bunch of video games. I says, okay, well, you can bring them in. I'll see if we can do anything for it. And it was a bunch of Saturn. 
stacks of Saturn. I want to say it's about four or five big boxes. I mean, Saturn games are big. They're big, big cases. Yeah, the long box. The long box. Yeah. I think about They're like one of the 10 to 12 inch tall yeah. by five inches across. They're big games. They take yeah. up a lot of shelf space. I remember I think, even... I think they're smaller <clears throat> than 12 inches. Yeah, I, I remember even trying to just put Saturn games on the walls. We didn't have enough space for them. You, start, you stop halfway through, you're like, fuck this. <laughs> yeah, well, here's the thing. Most places didn't, you know, just, just as a trade hole was saying, most places did not take them. Because yeah. um, it was but, badly marked. Marketed, it was badly, like, it was poorly marketed. It, it did make a lot of money, and I had to tell them like, "We do take these in, but they don't bring a lot, yeah. Yeah, and they don't, sell. <laughs> they don't sell." And I remember by the end of the transaction, they got it close to about two hundred fifty dollars, oh. and it was in the form yeah. of a corporate check. Wow, that's yeah. how you got paid out. There was no cash. Yeah, you got paid in a corporate check, and then that they had a receipt, and I was like, "You'll get a corporate check within uh, seven to ten business days." And that was literally all you can do. That's all you could do for anybody. And they took it. And I remember multiple copies, multiple copies of Dragon Force, Panzer Dragon Saga. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> great game. Um, Fantastic yes, game. No, yes. That's not sarcasm, guys. Yes. That's, those are no, great games. Yeah, right. Multiple. <laughs> I had so many copies of Virtua Fighter, Daytona, Virtua Cop, every nice. rare title you could possibly think of. We had practically brand new copies traded in boxes of them i remember running out of shelf space because the area because each area of funko land was designated to a particular platform Mm -hmm. and we were only allowed to use the designated space for that specific platform and i we had the smallest tiniest section for uh saturn i want to say it was about three foot shelves and they gave us about five deep so like 15 shelves at three feet across that allowed me to put up four saturn titles (laughs) four saturn titles per shelf I remember constantly restocking, restocking, restocking that shelf, but we eventually moved through all of it. Mm. We didn't make a ton of money off of it, but it was nice to have a store that had a proper presentation. And that was something else I was really big on presentation, even to this day as a store owner now. Presentation's everything to me. No, it really is. So um, marketing. Marketing was a big thing that Funko Land uh, pushed, but GameStop, when it first transitioned, the employees didn't know how to deal with. And mm-hmm. my store um, that I was managing at the time, back in uh, from '99 to '01, they uh, were top of line in marketing. Everything that came in, I found a use for. And most of the mm-hmm. stuff, people, uh, you know, general managers come in, district manager come in, and says, "Hey, where's your marketing at?" And most managers would have their stuff thrown in the back there and open the box. They were t- they don't want to do with it. Mm-hmm. But then again, they weren't trained with it. Yeah, I didn't get any kind of training. But I understood that, like, again, natural predilection, marketing is everything. So I would use up counter space. I would use up the wall space. I was, you know, double-side taping, sticking boxes in a neat, you know, a skewed form all across the walls. I was hanging things from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. So when anybody would walk in my store, and one day the general manager walked into my store, he's like, this is one of the most fantastic-looking Funkolands slash GameStops I've ever been in. Mm-hmm. And he took pictures, and he sent out to corporate. He's like, I want further mandate going forward every store needs to be on this level every yeah, store right? well it's true too like even like running my store at that point marketing was everything especially with the consumer you really have to put it right in their face for yes. them to know exactly what they want to buy or what's available yes because a lot of the times they'll just come in and if your store is just bad layout yeah. you don't have any marketing yeah they'll just do one of these use where they walk in look at the wall and they walk right up well no we like we that. were actually uh at that time i'm not sure how how long this carried out but if you weren't doing your marketing and you weren't pulling the numbers your bonuses all the the repay raises and stuff you got dinged for that you basically you got graded every time that that manager walked in an area manager zone manager whatever you want to call him every time he walked in he was grading you 
And if you weren't on top of your grades, your pay rate suffered. I was about to say, you guys got raises? Yeah. Oh, no. So here's the thing, too. Back then, we actually did get, we got raises. I was like, we, where's my bonus? We, I, I, had, I had consistent raises at this time. Like I said, I was being groomed mm-hmm. to be, you know, the, the manager, the district manager. I was going to run, you know, four stores. I was already training other managers for stores that exist now in that location when they were being built. Mm-hmm. And um, I technically, by the time I left, and what honestly caused me to leave at the very end was the fact that I was running two locations at once. Um, there was a store that had a, um, the entire staff was terminated. Ooh, nice. The entire staff was terminated. Um, I've heard this story. Yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. So this is during the PlayStation 2 Dreamcast. Um, apparently the manager, assistant manager, and what they call the third key at the time, mm-hmm. which is, I guess you guys, what would you call SGA. it? Yeah, the SGA, SGA. The, the key holders. The key holders. So there's three key holders. So he was the, this person was the last in line. I couldn't tell you their names or male or female. I didn't know. Um, I just know the entire store was terminated. And then it was put on me to go out and run this location while still managing my location. It was difficult, and uh, I remember working there for a month, and when, again, Funkoland transitioned to GameStop, we had a lot of rules that we had to follow. Uh, One of those things is that you did a nightly inventory. Mm -hmm. You had to count every drawer. You had to count, make sure all the games are straight. That nothing was. Yeah, it was horrible. (laughs) I don't know know if GameStop kept that going or not, but it was the worst part about working at Funkoland. More or less the same thing as a cat count. Yeah, more or less the same, but just not on the same, like, uh, strict every night kind of Every night. For us, it was, let's say, you'd have to do at least... Twice a week, depending on like the the cycle, if it was like holidays, or at least once a week, you yeah. know, depending on which. So you can imagine they they expected us to wrap up all the counts, cash, doing the tills, everything within thirty minutes and be out. After that, you were not paid. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, and it was ridiculous. Okay, and so I found myself coming home again when you're doing this the whole store by yourself. You're trying to keep on top of what's going on with your other store. I was getting home twelve o'clock, one o'clock at night because I was working in the Bay Area and I live in the Valley, mm-hmm. and so I was driving back on a regular basis for a month. And when you're 21, you're like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, right? it's, it's draining. Yeah, yeah, it was draining. And by that time, I realized the glass ceiling was getting really close. And I was asking myself, do you really want to continue doing this? Does mm. this make you happy? And I felt my passion for video games leaving me. You know, that's and, that's one of those things, too. Working in, like, just that environment. Like, and you're, you're losing morale, like, you're at your morale, workplace. Yes. You start looking at video games, too, and you start just coming to get sick. You're like, oh, man. Yeah. Like, cause you, I, cause I know you, exactly you, what you mean. It took me about a year after I left for me to kind of to get re- back into rehabilitate it. myself. Yes. Like, and that's that's that's, so a, like that's PTSD, the thing. Man. That's the thing about working for GameStop. And I would tell anybody who ever had aspirations who would say, hey, I want to get a job at GameStop. It looks really fun. Well, let me... Let me uh, educate you a little bit. It's not playing video games. Yeah, it's yeah, right. retail. Yeah. That's part it one is, of the reasons. We'll, that's actually one of the mm-hmm. main things we talk about on this podcast very often. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? it's I re- people. I talk about the games more than I actually got a chance to play. Yeah, them, you know, because yeah. the the first time anybody asks you and says, "Oh, what's it like? Oh, you just get to play video games all day and get paid." Yeah, jackass. That's what I get to do. I get to play video <laughs> games all day and get paid. Yeah, right? That's that's the whole GameStop premise. Like, let's just hire a bunch of gamers, pay them, and just. Hope they sell let a game or game. two. <laughs> yeah, let them game. That's just—it's so ridiculous that people. Some people actually do believe that. No, it's it's retail first and foremost, and that's customer service. Either you have the ability to have a thick skin and allow yourself to be in the service industry, and continue to get people what they need and what they want, and deal with all the, you know, issues that come that are you know that arise with that whole thing, mm-hmm. and uh, be able to do it well and do it consistently. You won't last long. 
in that business. Mm -hmm. That's just the way it is. Some people handle retail real easy. I've had no issue with it. But my burnout for me was coming from the fact that uh, I was in a relationship and my relationship was suffering. I had no kids at this time, but my relationship was suffering. I was getting home one o'clock in the morning, getting up at eight o'clock in the morning, driving back out. You know, I was making X amount of money every single month, no matter how much work I put in because it was salary. Mm -hmm. And I had just woke up one day. It's like, I am just done. I am absolutely done with doing this any further. And I mm -hmm. quit. I quit. And I went to, I was like, I don't want to go in any more retail. And I remember throwing myself into um, warehouse work. Like, I couldn't be further away from it. Yeah, give me away from it. Couldn't be further away from it. Couldn't be further away from it. But I can I can, I can, can say without a doubt, though, the time I had working at Funkoland was really fun. I actually did enjoy it. Funkoland was a great place to work. We had great customers. We had good policies. And, um, you know, it, it, customers really came first. Mm -hmm. The customers really came first. And the enjoyment of customers came first. The satisfaction of customers came first. It was when they transitioned to GameStop that it was this big company that had a lot of money. They were going to shake things up. They, they you know, they got to be profitable. You can only imagine the person sitting at the top of the GameStop ladder at that point in time. It's like, look, we're going to buy this company. We're going to unify. We're going to rebrand. We're going to make money. And this is how we're going to do it. He wanted to shake things up. And so everybody, he, you know, comes and trickles down that pipe was like, dude, all these changes, they're so drastic. And for the people who have been, you know, acclimated to a, a certain way of doing things on a daily basis, telling them, like, we're changing everything. That was a, that was a tough pill to swallow. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people that I knew, like, after I left, followed suit. It just wasn't the same. Yeah. It was not the same. I anymore. was going to say, um, like, you, obviously you had heard that GameStop was acquiring Funkoland. How did people react to that news? Like, how did you view... Uh, GameStop before they like acquired Funkoland. Well, it was it was technically it was Electronics Boutique who acquired uh, Funkoland. Electronics Boutique is the parent company. Babbage the software, etc., is also just mm -hmm. their company just rebranded. GameStop was the name that was merged into. Um, customers didn't we? Nobody had any indication of what it was going to be like. We just knew they were going to get bigger and better, and that was the presumption. Um, Personally, uh, the store I worked at in the Valley was, uh, we had a lot of friends who worked over at Software, et cetera, mm -hmm. which at the time was our competition. Mm -hmm. But we actually had what we would call Wednesday night fights, and they would come over to our store because we had the arcade, mm -hmm. you know, try before you buy it setups, and we'd yeah. set up the Dreamcast, and we would play King of Fighters. Oh, nice. And everybody in my store was an SNK slash Neo Geo King of Fighters fan. We lived, breathed, and died KOF. Yeah, you guys was like, that's your jam, right? That there. was our jam. Now, software, etc., the competition, they bled Street Fighter. Okay. They so bled Street Fighter. They're all Capcom. They're people, all you know, Capcom, yeah. you know, fanboys. So it was always this fun mix-up of rivalry and mm -hmm. our store versus your store. And so we do this every Wednesday. And eventually, one of our regular customers is like, you know what? You guys should come over to my place, and we'll just have like a real big Wednesday night fights. And it became a thing for a long time nice, yeah. where we would go to this guy's house, software center guys, the Funkoland guys, and we would battle it out on King of Fighters 98, which was, I believe, 99 on the Dreamcast called mm -hmm. the Slugfest. And then uh, my personal favorite in Trade Holds, you know, his personal hell, Third Strike. <laughs> but we would battle it out. And, man, that was – I could tell you that was probably one of the 
most memorable fun times I had in my my youth. Mm-hmm. Oh, I miss those days. That was a lot of fun. But again, going back to your question, like, did anybody know what it was going to be like with GameStop taking our? We didn't. There was no way for you to know. GameStop was an entirely new thing. It's like the Fire Nation attacked. It was just like, you know, they're going to come in, they're going to put money in, we're going to get bigger and better. We thought with a merger, two great companies merging as one, like, how can you not get better? And so then there was more excitement. There was definitely more excitement. Okay. People were so stoked for GameStop. And it just, within that first six months, you're like, this is not the company I want to work like, for. It's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Oh, it's you, like you guys. Should, the first, the first big blow, I think, when it really set in, was like we're removing all the try, uh, try before you buy stations. I'm like, what? Yeah, right. I was like, like, but then what's going to be? They're like, we're going to put up more wall space for more games. And you're like, <sighs> I see what's going on here. Right. They're stripping this place down, and then uh, employees were. Uh, required to, you know, act a certain way, be a certain way. Like, they were much more stringent. GameStop, I remember GameStop, that's right. GameStop was really stringent about, like, just how your mannerisms, your behavior. They're very strict. They're very strict by the book. Funkoland was very laid-back, chill, easygoing. I remember even for the Dreamcast launch that we had back in 99, I bought a ton of pizzas and sodas and all kinds of stuff. We had a big old launch party and everybody showed up at midnight and we had fun till 3 a.m. And it was good times. We were playing NFL 2K, eating pizza, being loud, listening to music Mm -hmm. and the people, the the district managers, they were like, that's cool. If you're making money, customers are happy, go for it. That's actually the arguments now that, uh, you know, we talk about with Perfect Survey we're just like, you know, I'll, we're making money, so... Well, it's even then, too, is, like, that was one of those things I learned from Perfect Survey, like, all of our big old launches, like, you gotta spend money to make money. Yeah. And even then, too, it's all about the environment. You wanna yeah. be able to, like, It's the environment. We were the and attorneys giving away free stuff, you know, oh, yeah. like, doing... And they're like, wait, what did you do? You shrunk what out? And be like, yeah, but did you see how much money we made because of the event? Like, yeah. We hit our numbers and then some. Like, we made, like... So much profit just on people coming in, and those people mm-hmm. are going to keep coming in. Yeah, because they enjoy the store. And the, the thing about Funkoland, the thing about GameStop is that even though the company, you may not agree with the policies, you meet some really great people who work there. Oh, yeah. You know, absolutely really great people that you kind of like immediately connect with. Like, I like that person a lot, and I want to support that store because I want to support them making sure they're getting hours, make sure they're getting paid because I really enjoy this place a lot. So mm-hmm. it, it comes down to customer interaction, and that's something that's created by the sales associate the sales associate, and the people that they deal with and their personality. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's a big thing that carries through. And again, as somebody who does retail, has been doing retail for a very, very long time, I love the fact that I can make those customer connections. You know, my mm-hmm. shop is not a big one. It's more intimate, very boutique style. But I get a lot of time to have one-on-one conversations, get to know my clientele, the types of games that they like, what fascinates them and what keeps them continuing to game. Yeah, and I, tr- I try to satisfy those needs. Because even then, too, if they're coming in, they're not necessarily just, hey, I'm just here to buy something. They're here to just have a good time. And yeah, and, and some like, people are there you know? just to buy. And I get that. Yeah. And they don't want to have their time taken up. They're in and out. And that's fine. Let them go. And I think that's where GameStop kind of gets the bad rap. Is like, I want to go in. No, I don't want to reserve something. No, I don't want an extra warranty. No, I don't, no, I don't want. Off I don't want just like, can you just let me buy this game and be on my way? There are those customers. Not every customer is the same. Mm-hmm. Totally understandable. But as GameStop, you know, it's a company that has shareholders. Mm-hmm. They want to see profit. Well, how are you going to make profit? You have to impress the board. You have to impress the board. And the problem is, is just as the employees are, 
the upper magic is. This is a revolving door. Mm-hmm. And I believe GameStop ranks as top five in the nation of employee turnaround. Oh, that's true. No, I remember that, mm-hmm. that too as well as far as turnover rate. Yeah, yeah. I think we talked yeah, about that. Yeah, they're up there. But how many times do you think the policy changes? All the time. All the time. There's no consistency. Yeah, we talk about that all the time. They can't find the happy medium where it works. And this this, this really goes into the fact that GameStop has kind of paved this way for themselves as being the company that they are versus the company that they were. And what I mean by that, people who haven't shopped at GameStop in a long time will come out and say, oh, I don't go there because they pay you nothing for trades. Yeah. Or the prices are too high. Yeah, that's high. the biggest stigma right now. It's like, oh, it's what are you going to give me, 50 cents for this? 50 cents? No. You know, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I can tell you without a doubt, I personally enjoy GameStop quite a bit. I, I think they're a fantastic company. As long as you're sh- not working there. Yeah. As long as you're not working there. <laughs> as long like, as you're yeah. not working there. This, honestly, you know, truthfully, I see some employees who really bust their butts. Yeah. yeah. If you find a good shop, Definitely. you know, some people they bust that their are butts. like, yeah. They, they bust their butts. And they that's treat true. the store as if it were their own. They care about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it shows. And then there's those stores that just don't care. You yeah. can tell by the employee or the way that they interact with folks, you know, lack of eye contact, uh, how they speak with you. If they know you, like, I used to try, uh, you know, way back when, know everybody, first and last name. I was really good at knowing people at first and last name. That's mm-hmm. how solid my memory is. Now, if you were to ask me, I can't remember what I did 10 minutes ago. <laughs> what are we doing again right now? <laughs> What's this microphone in front of me? <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, yeah that, oh. that's, you know, GameStop, what GameStop was is not what GameStop is. GameStop actually is a much better company uh, today than it has been. In the last few years. In the last few years. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to agree with everything, and I'm sure some people are going to have a difference of opinion, um, but, you know, it is what it is. It's just how you take it. You know, retail is retail at the end of the day. We're going to find a way to get our games, whether it be through Amazon, whether it be through eBay, um, local brick and mortar, uh, swap meets, or mom and pop shots such as myself. Yeah, right. Well, even it's interesting saying how you're saying everyone's really excited for when GameStop was going to start out. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say it's closer to where it was like you guys thought it was going to be? Or do you think GameStop is never going to be what you guys envisioned it? I don't, I don't, I don't. GameStop is never going to be what. It's meant to be. Yeah, because what you're saying is like it's a better, well, it's a better spot now. But let, like. let, me, let me actually let me let me re-answer that one. GameStop has the potential to be what consumers want it to be, <laughs> and the only reason done. why I say that is because of Reggie. Reggie being brought on was no mistake. Him, the people saying, "Oh, he's just a member of the board." Reggie jumped on a sinking ship. Yeah, no, for real though. Yeah. And it wasn't done just out of coincidence. Reggie was is there because he has the intention to turn this thing around. Yeah. And I believe anybody can get people's respect and admiration and faith that it can be turned around. It is him. Yeah, my boy. And you know, honestly, yeah. I mean, we talked about this the uh, last recording with the perfect survey. Um, there's a lot of things that people are already like credit to Reggie that GameStop's already done, mm-hmm. and they just were not aware of it because they don't care about what like they just they ignore GameStop. All the deals that GameStop has given, we've talked about this. They have good deals right now. Oh, they, they have amazing they've deals. They've been having great deals for the last few years. They have, and but nobody but, gives them the chance. Yeah, no one gives them the chance, and now that Reggie's on there, like mm-hmm. we were talking about, uh, the now they're going to pay attention. Like, 
Well, it's like, oh yeah, now they're doing the forty-eight hour return. Even even if you buy a new, that's been oh, there for months. Be like, oh, that's yeah. because of Reggie. That's been exactly. there for months, but Again, everyone's like, oh, it's Reggie saving. It's because this. of Reggie. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not. It's it's public yeah. perception. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Public perception is everything, and nowadays, more so with things like platforms like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, people feel the need to air their grievances publicly mm-hmm. and consistently. Mm-hmm. But you get somebody like Reggie, which has positive public perception. Anything the man says is gold. Yeah, people are going to listen to what this man has to say. Mm -hmm. He could literally say, "Guess what? We're doing a five, uh, five for five, you know, or five for twenty, or whatever you wanted to be." And be like, "Oh my god, that's amazing! I love this deal. Thank you, Reggie." And it's something that's been active for the last four years. (laughs) (laughs) But it's because it came from Reggie's mouth, and again, that is public perception, and. You know, one of my, my strongest arguments, and it's been for years that GameStop, I like GameStop, I like their policies, I like the way that they conduct business, I think they're a fantastic company, but it's their name, their name has a negative connotation mm-hmm. with it, sure. it needs to go. And then who do you associate GameStop with before, like, they didn't really have that, 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 that like, friendly leader. face, like, yeah. Paul Reigns, rest in peace, but, like, you know, you, no, no, one, no, one knows, Paul no one knows Reigns who is. Paul Reigns is, but they'd always bring that up, like, you go onto, like, GameStop TV and everything like that, it's redundant, you have, like, no real... You have no real mascot. You got Buck the Bunny. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But who knows who No the one knows Buck, who Buck the Bunny is. Yeah, who the hell knows who Buck the Bunny is? Yeah. So, like, bringing in someone like Reggie, like, it's a true point where they can be like, oh, no, we got Reggie. We got Reggie. And then Reggie can be like, oh, no, I'm here to help GameStop out. And now they have somebody they can put out there on the front lines in their marketing. Or even if, it, like you were saying, like, it's not necessarily something he came up with. It could be like, hey, we can go out there and have Reggie say it. Yeah. Because he feels safe. He's a Nintendo guy. He's a Nintendo guy. He's a everyone, Nintendo guy. <laughs> everyone loves Nintendo. The like, only it's, person... It's family friendly. It's all these different things, you know? Like, every 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 company has somebody who represents them, and then people are going to love or hate, and Reggie is definitely one of those people that uh, people love. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's it has a lot to do with his mentor, uh, Satoru Iwata. Yeah, for sure. Iwata yeah. Oh, yeah. was... Beloved. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. <laughs> yeah. That man was... Like, he was Nintendo. And I, I still think back to his speeches, you know, even though he's corporate, even though he's a programmer, at the end of it all, at the end of the day, he's a gamer. He loved yeah. games. He, oh, loved yeah. games. he loved games. Even listening to some of the things, he'd go into like some meetings and some people would take it the wrong way. It's just like, oh, this guy's just roasting my game. But then when it came down to the core of it, it's just like, no, it's because he saw so much potential there and he knows he like, how much people care about it and how much the team cares and he just wants it to be the best yeah. it can be. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, going so, back to Reggie, um, Reggie. You, you, if you want to uh, consider something, Reggie stepped in, I believe, around the, uh, what is it, sixth generation? I think it was the sixth generation. It might have been sooner, fifth or sixth generation of gaming. This is when Nintendo was perceived as a child's company mm-hmm. uh, and it was with the GameCube. The GameCube was viewed as a baby's toy. The launch of the console, a little tiny a cube with a handle that was purple. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> People yeah. would call it the Nintendo lunchbox. You know, well, the and, hey, that game was the console was purple. that console was portable as fuck. Yeah, yeah. it was. It was <laughs> a great. Super easy it was. It was. Yeah. It was a great console. Uh, four players. Uh, you know, couch co-op. It was designed to play with friends. Now, PlayStation Two had two ports. Xbox, uh, the original Xbox. I know. I don't understand Xbox's uh, marketing with their words. Like Xbox One. Like I always want to call the original Xbox Xbox One. For some reason, yeah, I've, but I've seen a few of that. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, four ports in the original Xbox, but um, Nintendo was putting out Mario and Kitty like games. People like they just lost faith in Nintendo. PlayStation Two was definitely geared towards adults. I could tell you that you know more than ninety percent of the clientele who was purchasing PlayStation Two and Xbox were people in their you know mid to late twenties. Yeah, they had the true. money. 
You know, nobody was buying Nintendo. Yeah, except, people that wanted except to play a, fighters or shooters yeah, or stuff But a like parent that. coming in, it's like, oh, what do you have for, for kids? You know, for my son who's like 12, 13. Well, we have the Nintendo GameCube, and it's really geared towards kids. And so kids end up with GameCubes and adults can, end up with PS2 Xboxes. You can play uh, Wind Waker and Super Mario Wind Waker, Sunshine. and yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sunshine, that sounds really <laughs> yeah, cool. Right. Or Call of Duty. <laughs> Sunshine or Call of Duty, what do you want to play? Well, I don't want to play that baby cookie game. Like, I want to play something <laughs> good. <laughs> <laughs> Mario like, Sunshine is really no, good. No, it's an excellent Mario game. Sunshine no, no doubt. No, it's 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 games, a. It's, I see what you mean. In the yeah. marketing side, the marketing you know, side. Yeah. So Nintendo was struggling in sales at this point in history, and they needed a way to come back. And I believe that's where Reggie stepped in and like, well, we got to go into the next system, which is going to be the Wii. And oh, um, rip. I, mean, I even, know. I mean, <laughs> yeah. even before uh, the GameCube, the transition from the N sixty four, which was still cartridge based, cartridge, and that was a tough. That was a tough one. That's where that's where Nintendo really lost traction was with the sixty four. Um, coming off the Super Nintendo, which was to this day legendary, yeah, yeah and right. the sixty four, which has the smallest library on any of the Nintendo consoles, next only only superseded by the Virtual Boy. I was going to say the Virtual Boy. <laughs> <laughs> only superseded by the Virtual Boy, um, but it was it was considered um, one of the more least successful. Yeah. Um, uh, consoles, which is what makes me sad too, because I love the N sixty four. Like yeah, that was see, that was like I'm, the heyday of my. I'm I'm, 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 the, I'm the opposite. Well, see, yeah. so I at the time the sixty four came out, I believe was nineteen ninety five, ninety six. It was a ninety six. It was like a long ninety six. Like, uh, it was ninety six. It came after the PlayStation. Oh, yeah. So here we are. We get a taste of the next evolution of console gaming through CDs and seeing what CDs can do. And then we go back to cartridges. And I could tell you, as somebody who got a sixty four on launch. Mm-hmm. And I had two games, Super Mario 64, which is incredible, and mm-hmm. Wave Race, which is one of my favorite games. I love Wave Race. Um, but the six-month wait to get another game was excruciating. Oh, that's rough, too. It was like, yeah. bad. And I think in that entire year, they released less than five games. Yeah, because remember, we got ours as soon as Ocarina of Time came out. My second, like... my second uh, video game gift was the PlayStation 1, which I absolutely loved. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually wanted the PlayStation One over the N sixty four, and I, I think the reason why was because um, my cousins, who weren't really gamers, they were like, "Hey, come over here. We have a uh, Smash Brothers," and I was not in the Smash Brothers mm-hmm. because I didn't really like the controls. Yeah, like, okay. Not and I was just like, I don't, you know, and the the character I wanted to play with most was Link, and he wasn't that great in the game. I mean, he had a lot of variety, but he just yeah, he's, he was he's, he was not. He's great. very he was, hairy heavy. You didn't have yeah, really good save, but and I was just like. Oh, you know yeah. what? I'm not a huge fan of this game. That being said, too, is like especially with my house, we're always a Nintendo household, so like mm-hmm. we always got the Nintendo console that would come out. Because especially mm-hmm. my brother, we were, we came from like let's say a little more low income family too. So my brother was the one that really introduced me to gaming because he would save all of his money. Like he was the same way. He would try to sell things. He would be hustling, right, trying to get as much. And he bought a Super Nintendo. I remember we had the NES, we had the Super Nintendo, going straight into the N64 and everything. And like I remember playing that as a kid, playing Ocarina of Time, playing Super Mario 64, playing seeing how deep those games are mm-hmm. too. But then at the same time, like, going to my neighbors, you know, like we are talking about beforehand and seeing his PlayStation and being like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, you have the PS1 and playing games like Twisted Metal and, like, all these different games, too, when they were coming out. I was going to say, though, yeah, with the PlayStation like, 1, I, uh, you mentioned with the whole memory card thing. I remember yeah. I when I first got it, I played Ape Escape. And I went oh, nice. so far into the game. <laughs> oh, I went super it. far into the game. It was so fun. And then I was like, you know what? I got to end for the night. I can't save. And right. I was just like... Did you just leave the console on? I you know oh. did you bite the bullet and just leave the console on or so <laughs> huh? I start I started to do that with another game I had which was Thousand Arms but I, before because I didn't know what a memory card was like it would ask me to save I'm like what's a memory card 
And so I yeah. thought I was saving. And so oh. I, I was like, I'm going to test this out, turn it off, turn it back on, no save point. And I'm oh. just like, I'm done with Ape Escape now. <laughs> yeah. uh, Ape Escape was great. It was, yeah, it was super fun. Yeah, Ape yeah, Escape was how um, how Sony introduced the uh, the DualShock controllers. Like yeah. I used to sell That's systems it. based off that uh, Metal Gear Solid and uh, Gran Turismo. Those were my three games I used to use to sell PlayStation DualShock. Because so people ask like, why do you need to upgrade my console? Let me show you the difference between the 1001 or 5501 that you have versus the 7501 and this new controller. And people are like, oh my gosh, it has a level of realism that wasn't there before for video games. It's just another way to engross you. And again, this was this was a charm of Funkoland because we could try before You'd we You'd be buy. like, here, mm-hmm. take the controller. Try it out. You know, yeah. And we had GX TVs. If anybody knows what a GX TV is, if you probably remember, GX TVs are these little 13-inch televisions that sat on the counters... And uh, it had these big door-like speakers that would open up with a subwoofer. And this little 13-inch TV kicked. The volume on this thing was loud. The picture was decent, but that it was all about that sound, that immersing you in ex- the experience. And uh, I used to actually sell that TV. Guess what game I used to sell that TV with? Hmm. Any idea? <laughs> I used Einhander oh, to actually nice. sell that TV. Like, now, that TV's MSRP was three forty nine ninety nine back then, and we only ever had one or two, and I was one of the few people actually sold both TVs. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> because I used yeah, Einhander. When you get to that first boss and you just hear all the machine sounds, the voice in the background, that music, just get that you know fast-paced mm-hmm. techno beat, and just the destruction. They were like, whoa, this is incredible. Like, I need this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, was, it was the most economical way to put a sound system into your gaming without having to go out and buy you know a two thousand dollar stereo again i.e circuit city technology was so different back then like if you wanted something it was big it was bulky and it was expensive yep the samsung gx tv took away all that in an affordable you know one-stop package for sure i was gonna say uh you know I was talking about how I wasn't really into the N64, but I, I, would, I would say I had like two games, or maybe probably more I like, than that. I like, you know, there were two few. games. There were a few. Right. Like, I didn't completely hate the N64. I just was, was it that, Pokemon Snap? Yeah. And, uh, no, it was um, GoldenEye and WWF, which W. No like, Mercy? No Mercy, that's what yeah. it was. Cause no we, Mercy, my, awesome. uh, my cousin used to uh, run a 7 Eleven, mm-hmm. and he used to have, when he would work the overnight shift, he would have, like, kids, like, our, you know, my cousins and me and stuff like that. He would have us come overnight and help him, which is just like restocking. And yeah, that's, get, that's what I did at Fungaland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we would get, like, it was different age people. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was gonna say we got the free Slurpees and we would play No Mercy in the back yeah. in the back room. It was awesome. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, nice. There we go. Yeah, I used to play No Mercy with my brother pretty religiously. Uh, by this time, I was uh, living in my very first apartment. And um, me and him got so good at this game that neither one of us was going down. We'd have hour plus matches consistently, so we had to play, we had to bump up the stakes. Like, how can we? What's what's the payoff <laughs> to playing this thing? Well, you know, two guys in their early twenties uh, living alone for the first time forever. Um, dishes become a big problem. Chores, Chores <laughs> become a big problem because you don't have your parents there to make sure you're on top of stuff or to pick up after you if you were lucky enough to have that. And um, I could tell you we'd cook and we think we were the you know most grown adults that ever adulted. And then it's like, well, who's going to wash the dishes? Well, I don't want to wash the dishes. <laughs> so we started playing for it. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah no, there we go. Loser, best three out of five, has to do the dishes for a week. And that oh, was nice. brutal. 
That was brutal. And that was only after the dishes piled up. <laughs> yeah, right. that's, when, that's, that's when you sit up. Yeah. yeah, yeah like, you're are start, we getting serious? Yeah, right. We're getting real, real serious. And playing. me and my brother would go at it for hours on No Mercy. Mm-hmm. We had every... My brother loves doing the creator wrestler. To this day, still loves the creator wrestler. Oh, me too. Every person Absolutely. we knew had their own wrestler. Nice. So like, if you came over... You were playing No Mercy as yourself. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's one of the reasons why I still get WWE games because I want I see what creator wrestler like I see how they do it and I'm just like that looks great. I'll buy this one. Yes. And Mm -hmm. I remember back in freaking WWE was it WWE at the time when Brawl came out? Brawl uh the game on Xbox. Xbox. Oh, that was WWF still. Okay, WWF Raw. That was a uh, Goldberg on the cover. Uh, it had uh, I believe Triple H and uh, Kane on oh, the cover okay. of that one. Okay. And then uh, then there was yeah. WWF Raw two. There was WrestleMania two thousand one. Oh, you know what? Maybe I'm thinking of Raw two. Yeah, Raw okay. two. I think had uh, Goldberg. Yeah. Or, or no, uh, Goldberg wasn't in WWF at that time. Hmm. No, he was in WCW. So you're okay. thinking of, you're thinking of WCW. Uh, I think Thunder. I never had that one. Though, yeah. So I know and I those, had raw. Those games were awful. Yeah. Those were yeah, you're, like, awful. you're like, you didn't miss out yeah, on anything. You didn't there. miss out on anything. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, well, we, we got to wrap things up right now. I just wanted to say it sucks that, uh, you know, Funko Land and Software, etc. didn't get to stick around until Capcom versus SNK. It actually did. <laughs> oh, did? It did. Okay. It did. Because uh, I thought you were leading up to this no. gnarly Capcom Oh, no. SNK no, we actually, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I'm sorry, I got derailed there. No, the uh, we eventually, actually, it actually did come out. I was, I imported it. Um, mm-hmm. Me and a good buddy of mine, we both oh, okay. got Japanese okay. copies okay. from the back of a GamePro magazine. Uh, Japan Video Games, which still exists to this day. Okay. Um, yeah, and we both got copies of Capcom versus SNK. We knew it was going to go down. It was Software Setter versus Funkoland, <laughs> and the game was just okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just okay. We eventually transitioned right back into Third Strike and King of Fighters. Well, I feel like you guys had your go-to's already. You know, we did. Like... Oh, Third Strike became a big thing. We took that everywhere. I was going to say um, the, uh, Capcom versus SNK because it plays quite differently. It so. does, but that was that was the around the time that I was about ready to pack up and go because it was uh, Millennium Fight uh, 2001. So that's okay, that's that was the year. Yeah, Capcom okay. versus NK. Yeah, good times. Well, <laughs> to wrap things up, you know, thank you, Funkoland, for being on Absolutely. the call thank you with for us. Me. I, you know, customers, you know, Funkoland is the reason why storage looks so good and sorry to employees that work there because he's probably also responsible for Planograms. <laughs> 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 yeah. Or even then, too, it's like Funkoland was the origins of me going into stores as a little kid and being like, oh my God. I'm talking about the individual right now. I'm talking about the individual. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, yeah, we are going to blame you for Planograms. How about that? Yeah. I'm just kidding. That's fine. Your story was so amazing that, you know, you <laughs> You rose the bar for all of us. (laughs) (laughs) And it continues to this day. All right, well, we're going to close up shop. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you again, Fungoland, for being with us. And, you know, Distro and Trade Hold, we are kicking you out. Yeah, all right. Before the alarm company calls us, right? There you go. (laughs)